You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to Grow Law Firm Podcast. Amazing guest here today, Molly McGrath. Molly, is it true that you've been working and helping attorneys grow their businesses since 1997? It is. <laughs> you must have been like five when you started. Yes, actually four. Four. <laughs> um, what brought you into the ski industry? I love that question. So often people will say to me, well, you must be a lawyer, right? No, I'm not a lawyer. You know, back in 1997, I moved from Buffalo, New York to Colorado and I took a sabbatical from my job within City Hall in Buffalo and answered an ad in the paper when people used to do that. And my first interview I went on was for a national legal organization for state planning and elder law attorneys. And thankfully, up until that point, I was probably, I don't know, 27, 28. I had never worked with an attorney. I knew nothing about the law, thank goodness. And I was hired as a practice manager, and my first assignment was to go to their annual collegium. They had these collegiums where all their members would go, and there were over 1,700 law firms back in 1997 when law firms really did not invest in team development. Coaching really wasn't a household term, and um, I was blown away. I was you know, there as support team members, and very, very quickly, I just had a, a deep, I found my purpose. I found my place. It was interesting to see these attorneys step up to the mic and they would share what's worked, what, what hasn't worked over the past 90 days. What are your greatest struggles? So 1700 law firms there and hands down, hands down over marketing. The number one frustration was employees hiring team empowerment and boarding and getting their people to step up and lead. And it was just fascinating to me. So from there, I went to my boss at the time and said, we need a coaching program. There's coaching, there's personal development, practice management development for these attorneys, but there needs to be something for the what I believe the greatest asset in the law firm, which is their people. Fascinating. Fascinating. So, 26 years now in the running doing this, and you started your own firm, hiring and empowering. This is now almost 18-year-old organization, right? Yes. What's the number one problem that you solved there? I understand from the name what it means, but like, what's the number one, like, the root problem that you solved there? I would say the number one root problem that I tell is employee empowerment, development, and retention. Okay, but what, what problem does that really solve? Well, you, in my, my opinion and my experience, you cannot scale and grow a business, especially in the legal space. We are in the personal service industry, whether you remote or brick and mortar, without your front line, with your people, without the people that are doing your intake, uh, client services, your paralegals, your legal assistants, your professional law firm administrators, if they are not fully, wholly invested in the firm, then the attorney is, in my experience, you know, stressed out, not meeting their revenue goals, not able to scale and grow. 
And then they get into a vicious cycle of resenting, hanging their own shingle. That makes so much sense. I think most attorneys, and I probably get to speak to 200, 250 attorneys per year, one-on-one, and so many more at conferences. I think most attorneys, law firm owners, are experiencing those problems. I think that hiring, training, upgrading performance of team members is an incredibly challenging skill set that most people are not well qualified to do. When you are hired by your clients, do you actually train the attorneys or do you train somebody else's in their law firms to perform these sets of responsibilities? I love that question. I actually train the employee that has been hired and take them because attorneys, you know, they'll tell you they were never trained how to do this in law school. Mm-hmm. They're be really great attorneys. And I see all over social media, all over Facebook or my attorney clients, you know, I have over 4,500 law firm clients will come to me and say, oh, I'm going to this great conference on managing and leading a team. And I'm like, well, that's great. But when you come back, your calendar is booked solid for two weeks. So when the heck are you implementing this? And they really don't have the time or energy or the, what I believe the soft skills, the communication skills to be able to implement it. There's no shortage of knowledge. There's no shortage of training, but it's the team members that I really empowered them to flip the script and become their boss, boss's boss. So the attorney is allowed to just manage the calendar, see prospective clients, see prospective existing clients, and a saying I always teach the team members, so go the calendar, so go cash flow. Your job is to really tell your attorney, allow them to be the visionary, take off the training, take off the onboarding. No, the job of the attorney is to have available space for them, give them the permission and to trust and let go so their team members can drive training, drive the onboarding, drive the employee growth plans, drive the strategic plan of the firm so the attorney can really lead and be a visionary. I wish more people thought about it this way, and here's why. Years ago, one of my advisors told me, Sasha, stop being an asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, Darren, WTF, what do you mean by this? He's like, you're stuck in this mode of trying to figure out how to do everything. Your business will forever be tiny because you think that you need to figure out how to do everything before you can bring on another person so that you would teach them how to do that. Mm. It's like you bring on people who can take care of those things for you. Either you bring them on board and they're ready to go because they're experts or you bring them on board and you have your who's who can actually get them to the point where they're doing it without you telling them what to do, when to do it, how to do it. All they do is they report to you on a periodic basis, not every day. They're not running to the boss every day. On a periodic basis, they tell you not even what got done, but here are the results. And if the results are satisfactory, meeting is over, you go do your thing, they can go continue to do what their, whatever their thing is. So he's like, for as long as you're going to be the ask all, keep asking the how, 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 I don't know. Your business will be tiny, tiny, tiny. Yes. If you stop and we start focusing on bringing the right people who can develop their team, 
your business will expand with the right people on the team. So I, I, I love this perspective that you just brought on. I've got this it's probably episode around 40, and I've interviewed so many people in different skill sets and different industries, but all working for lawyers, law firms, and I've never heard this perspective before. This is really good. Yeah, it takes a lawyer to really be willing to let go and trust. And so often I'll hear from the team members, they don't trust, they won't let go of control. And I said, well, time out. Let's have a little bit of grace for the attorneys. In law school, they're trained to be skeptics. They're trained to believe nothing. And so that's ingrained in their blood and their bones. So until you instill confidence in them and over communication, they won't let go of control. So let's reverse engineer this. You know, I'll give you a perfect example. Yesterday I was on a, a consulting client. I service a fractional CEO for many, many law firms. And the attorney shows up with um, her team member and then a new person sitting at the table. I'm like, whoa, 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 who's this? And she goes, we hired a fractional, uh, or we hired an uh, office manager. And I'm like, great, fantastic. That came out of our last coaching call. I'm like, good work. You did your work. And the attorney said, I'm completely overwhelmed. I am paralyzed. We've never had this position before. We don't even really have the job description. And I don't know what where she should start. And I don't have the systems in process, so I'm going to have to work all weekend to build them. I'm like, nope, 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 time out. Here's the deal. You're going to pull out the junk drawer. We're going to dump it on the proverbial conference table. I want you to go through everything that you want in regards to finance, in regards to reporting, in regards to marketing, in regards to operations, in regards to, in 33 minutes, we identified every single area. By the end of the call, we had a Trello board for every department in her business. And then we identified what the top goal was for each area. And then what the top three were for this candidate to this new hire to complete by, and within 30 days and how she was going to track and measure it and report it and over communicate her progress in a weekly stand up meeting with the attorney. The attorney was in tears. I'm like, your job is to do nothing after this call, attorney. Go go get hired. Go close clients. Go do your magic that you do and allow myself and the new hire and your client services director to build the plan. And to your point, I, team, I train my team members. You have to over-communicate with your attorney and data and information, not stories and emotion. And so as much as you can give them the, just the highlights, you can report to them and speak into their listening in the way of metrics, analytics, and uh, reporting. They will like their confidence will increase. And anytime you hit a roadblock, you come to them with a proposed solution versus constant problems with CEO level communication. Even if you're just a receptionist, and they will start to let go control because you have proof of concept. You're showing them the math. You're giving them the beginning, the middle, the end, and the why, and you're showing them that you've already uh, forecasted what the in intended barriers are going to be for your next three steps. But when you work with these attorneys, how difficult is it to overcome the mindset where they think about every additional employee and consultant such as yourself is an expense, right? Most, most attorneys, actually most small business owners don't think of additional resources as an investment. They think about it as an expense. And I find that that one that incorrect mindset is really difficult to overcome. If you face the same challenge, how do you overcome it with them? 
And always they, um, my clients now, no, they don't. We just shift the language because language is everything. So I tell them it's not about the fee. It's about the cost. If you don't hire this person, if you don't empower them, if you don't let them to let go of control. So for simple math, so often I had this conversation, I do legal flat fee retained search recruiting and the attorney called me like the candidate wants $10,000 more a year. I'm like, and she's like, our budget won't hold for that. My bookkeeper told her me we can't do that. I'm like, stop making decisions from your bookkeeper. Okay, is rule number one. Rule number two, let's break this down. So $10,000 more than you anticipated to pay. Let's make sure your ego is not in the driver's seat here. So let's break down $10,000 more a year. Okay, we're going to divide that by 52 weeks. It's $192 a week extra. Now let's times that by four so you get a 4X return. Let's round it up. Let's going to say it's $800 additional work. What are you billing this attorney out at? $475 an hour. Okay, so they need to work two and a half hours more a week. Not only that, but it's not the attorney. Now let's talk about the ROI on you because by you hiring this attorney, how much hours are going to be freed up from you? We broke it down. It was going to be 22 and a half hours a week. For the attorney, I'm like, what's your hourly rate? What are you doing with your additional 22 and a half hours a week? You better be marketing. You better be visible. You better be on podcasts. You better be on speaking stage. You better be in the seat of the visionary. And then your return should be 4X. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let me ask all this. Imagine that somebody hires you and you work with them for a year. What is the typical ROI on working with your firm for a full year? From a dollar amount, like flat out bottom line. Percentage dollar amount, like like let's imagine what 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 does your typical client look like? How many attorneys do they have? Are they solo? Are they small boutiques? I work by and large minor small boutique, um, mid-sized firms, depend if we're talking about bodies in the building, so to speak. So, you know, I have some clients that are six million dollars right now and they have two attorneys. And you know, in it heavily, heavily employee staff. You know, they're they are relying heavily on overseas for a lot of their different initiatives. They're embracing the new world of how to do business where it doesn't have to fully be dependent. Now that's in estate planning and elder law for the most part, transactional. I have a PI attorney right now. They're about well, I, I, I want to pause there for a second because what the number that you just gave me is I guarantee you, it will blow any attorney's mind because what you just said is that two attorneys yep. are generating $6 million, meaning $3 million per attorney. Correct. These numbers are nearly unheard of in the small law firm community. So I work with a lot of, well, my firm works with a lot of attorneys, right? Many of them are very happy when they generate 300, 350, maybe 400,000 in gross revenue for full-time employees, for full-time attorney. Yes. And, and in very frank conversations, I tell them that that's fairly dismal. Now you just said something that like, look, look at what's possible. You can do $3 million, $3 million for attorney. Yes. Let me, and let me. You said that. You know, what kind of systems do they have in place? And like, how did you help them get there? Because that those are excellent numbers, just excellent. 
Well, the first, I love that you just broke that down and that you highlighted uh, and set the stage beautifully. $3 million per the attorney. That's the biggest problem that most attorneys do. They do the equation only per attorney. No, no, no. This is a team of 12. So we do, everybody has an ROI. So the $6 million is not $3 million per attorney. It's actually $500,000 per employee. Every single person is a revenue generator and every single person has a key performance indicator. Every single person knows their unique ability and their value creator that they bring, especially the receptionist. We start with the receptionist and we end with the attorney. And that's the way you have to flip it, the pyramid on its head. Everybody's measuring stick are the billable hour. The attorneys and the paralegals are the only revenue generator. The attorney's job is absolutely irrelevant. If the front of the house is not rock solid, because if you have a client service coordinator, I don't like the word receptionist, and I am not a fan of outsourced phone services other than nights and weekends and for overflow. But when you have a chief happiness officer, when you have a director of first impression, some people like to call them receptionists, some old school, old school law firms like to call them legal secretaries, but they are, we start with their ROI right there. Because as you know, you know all about marketing. People throw money at marketing and they invest in marketing. And then guess what? When there's no money in the bank and there's no conversions, who they point fingers at? The marketing company. Like, no, 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 no. We got to start with the people on the front lines. We need to start with the phones. We need to start with the people that are filling the calendar. We need to look at how many cancellations, reschedules, no shows you have. We have to look at what your receptionists and all the people on your front line are doing, first and foremost. They're the first revenue generator, and the attorney is the last backing into it. Because in my experience, there's no question for the most part unless you are completely a, a, a horrible communicator, that the attorney is going to convert and close and sell and service people. I mean, my experience is most attorneys are can do that, but it's everything leading up to getting the person into the conference room and then to engagement. And then it's everything post-engagement where it goes back on the assembly line to the production team and the life cycle of the file that matters. So Yes, I have many, many firms that once they can they can reverse engineer this model and, and look at the attorney last, that they're able to have a really efficient, effective, and do I dare say fun environment because everybody is on board. Everybody loves the accountability. Everybody knows where True North is. And everybody loves to hear, have clear key performance indicators. So every week when they show up in the weekly meeting, they can report, they come with the statistics, they come with their numbers. And they're like, look at what I did last week. I saved five people from canceling their appointments, which is, you know, the tune of a hundred thousand dollars. That's one week. No, you're probably your father old takes your boss. Fix my the book. Fix my boss. Sorry. Where, where's the book on what you just spoke about just now? In in that book, it's in, in yep, book. yes, it is. Yeah, the whole essence of that book, you know, it's interesting. I'll say this really, really quickly. At first, the book was called Fix My Employee because that's the number one call I get for 26 years. 
you know, I'm at the conferences, I'm at the cocktail party, what have you. We start chitter chatting, as you know. Here's the two topics that will hold the floor every single time. Employees and marketing. That's all attorneys want to talk about, which I'm super excited about because 20 years ago it was technical legal and nobody wants to talk about that anymore. And so it's really fascinating. I would get fix my employees. We would do SEO search on all the keywords that I had coming to my website, to my podcast, to my blog. In in variances, it was fix my employee. My publisher is like, "Mm mm-mm. We're changing this to fix my boss because we need the boss to pick up the book just as much as the employee. And we need the employee to pick up the book because imagine them running through the airport and a boss sees this title, fix my boss. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What is this person teaching my people? They're thinking that I'm teaching them to come in and ask for raises and Mercedes, you know, benefits and and commissions or bonuses or what have you, but I'm not. It's a sneaky way to get them both on the same playing field and speaking the language, same language. In essence, the whole premise of that book is a fact pattern I just laid out. So you know what book I'm reading next? Yes. <laughs> no one broke it down the way that you just did. That's really, really, really fascinating. That attorney is actually the last one in the chain of people. An attorney should not be closing. And that's how, and I I still think about that law firm that you just mentioned, right? As $3 million per attorney. Yes, there is a team of 12 people that are supporting each each one of those attorneys, if I got the numbers correctly. Mm -hmm. But it is still like, I want to say you have no idea, but you probably do. But so many law firms that I spoke to, what are they like? We've been in business for 40 years. We have 28 attorneys. Like, what's your top line revenue? With pride, they say $7.4 million. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that they even know because I usually get the deer in the headlights. They're like, what do you mean by top line revenue? Is that profit? Is that gross? Is that net? Is no, it- <laughs> some, of them, some of them know, like really know their numbers, but they don't understand why they're generating. After 40 years being in business, why they're generating $300,000 per attorney. I'm not talking about per full-time employee. I'm talking about per attorney. So your client that does $6 million, there is a team of, let's say, 24, 25 people, right? Two attorneys and 12 support team members. Is it for each attorney, 12 support team members, or is it including the attorney? Including the attorney. Got it. So there are roughly 20 people. Not including attorney. 12 support team member, two attorneys, 14 total. And in fact, the main manner... Um, owner, operator, attorney does not see clients. They're the visionary. So really, it's a, it's 13. And most of their support is located not in the United States. Not most. I, not most. I would say probably 10% are overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they're getting more outbound people to do follow-up calls. They do uh, seminars, workshops, tremendous amount of public speaking and mm-hmm. things nature. So a well-run professional service organization will produce 20 to 25% pre-text net profit. My assumption is that this law firm probably cranks out quite a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Now, again, you know, they, they're profit first. If you're familiar with profit first, they're profit first law firm. Um, would, you, would you please speak about that? For, yeah. So profit, profit first. first Mike McAllister 
it's a phenomenal model that many of my law firms and many business owners, I'm in EO, Entrepreneur Organization, EOS, if you've heard of that through Traction or any of those books, um, they follow the Profit First model in regards to that. So yeah, they really try to operate from Profit First as well. So you have different buckets that you have in regards to op- how you run your business, five different buckets, and I, we don't have time to go into it, but I highly recommend that people follow that. So that's how they're up running from that place, first and foremost. And then secondly, they have they invest and pour back heavily back into the business for marketing. And, you know, that's a lot of old school law firms or a lot of law firms, they don't do not spend in regards to marketing, you know, they're always just paying attention to operating expense, always worried about their overhead, what have you. And when times get tough, they're always like, oh, gosh, we have to slash our expenses. And what's the first one that gets slashed? It's marketing. And the so that really, brings in clients. Yes, which that, you know, with the law firms that I work at, work with, we, we're always paying attention to expenses. But we never fall into the trap that we have an expense problem. We either have an efficiency problem or we have a revenue problem. But we don't spend all this brain damage on like slashing expenses. If you're having, you know, weekly finance meetings, if you're having looking at running your business off of a model and you have a very, very good profit first bookkeeper would have you somebody who embraces it expenses never really become a problem. It's a conscious decision that we make to invest back into the business. And again, because everybody has an ROI right down to the marketing coordinator, what have you, then we know that we're going to be paying attention to that. We're going to be paying attention when we invest more into marketing every single week. We're going to know right away if it's not going to create the ROI. It's very interesting because now I'm, I'm looking at the name of your firm. Higher and empower, and they think that the name of the firm doesn't really do it justice because you're just such a powerhouse of business acumen, which most attorneys who are incredibly smart people, but they sorely lack business acumen. So you being an advisor to a law firm owner or owners and be such a game changer. Yes. You know, and I thank you for that. And I think what brings a unique ability to me is I was an employee for many, you know, I started out at that national organization supporting getting a coaching and a practice advisory program off the ground in 1997. And then from there, I started a legal organization where I was a partner, where we created a coaching program, software and practice management company. I owned that for 16 years for estate planning, elder law, and veterans uh, law firms. And so I've sat in this seat. So my counsel and my advice is not go only to the attorney. I will not work with law firms that do not have their support team members in every single Zoom room that we have. So they're fully, wholly invested, number one. Then they also go into my online training course, the Law Firm Admin Bootcamp, and they are with me every Tuesday in a group setting where we are working with a law firm, all different areas, you know, family law, PI, men, male practice, estate planning, immigration, criminal defense. And every Tuesday, it's only for support team members. No attorneys allowed. 
and we are working on one thing only each week. This week, we worked on how to manage, lead, and facilitate a conversation like a CEO. Next week, we're working on how to break down your job description and have a key performance indicator and ROI for every line item on your job description. Then the next week, we're going to go in and build a time template. And so where they can plan their work and work their plan and always working on their 80% that impact their revenue goal that they have for every uh, person. And then every Thursday, they come to me for open coaching and growing hours and they show up big time. It's a, a safe container for them to talk about. Yesterday, the whole conversation was about we're making traction and now the attorney's trying to pull back and take back control and trying to blow up our plan. And we're just, I'm giving them just CEO language to go back and just really instill confidence into their attorney to continue to let go of control and really ask them the most important question. I say, when your attorney's trying to be a control free, when they're trying to have resistance against a plan or what have you, it's coming from a place of fear and or anxiety. And the root of all anxiety is lack of information. So the powerful question you need to ask them is what information are you not seeing that you need to see to have confidence? And a lot of times they can't pinpoint it. A lot of times it's just this emotion bubbling up of fear and uncertainty because we haven't done this before. There's no proof of concept. And so let's let's just really unpack it and then figure out, you know, a business plan that they want to see for this one little change, this one little shift we're going to make in the practice. So you're mostly a business advisor and slightly a business shrink. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense because I think we all need both. Yes. I, yes. <laughs> if you ever saw my, if you ever saw my books and my, my bookkeeper says to me every Tuesday in our meeting, do we really have to, uh, do you really have to spend all this money on coaching? I'm like, yes, that's the last thing that's going. If I don't have my own house in order, I can't be a good coach to anybody else. Yeah, my partner and I presently, we're recording this end of June of 2023. We have three advisors that we actively work with. Mm. That's that to us actually is a small number, and here's why. We recently learned that LeBron James has 28 coaches that he works with on a regular basis. Ugh, I'm not bad. Why? Because that's what it takes to be at the top of the game. Yes. The talent alone does not get you there. You need to have very talented coups, people around you that will help you get there and support you when you get there. Because just getting to the top does not equate to staying at the top, right? And the guy has been at the top. Whether you like him or hate him, doesn't matter. But he's been at the top for quite a few years now. So excellent performer. Uh, and he's been outperforming everybody else. And one of the amazing things about him, it's really bizarre interview question with I think Tim Ferriss was that, said, look, a normal NBA player lasts 40,000 game minutes. You have now played 50,000 game minutes and you're still going strong. How do you do it? He's like, well, one of my coaches, my rest coach, oh. trains me how to rest properly so that I can continue performing. And he is now pushing 40. They're like, trains me how to rest properly so that I can continue performing properly. Well, as the point of expectation. 
Oh my God. I love it. I just had a rest coach on my podcast and she said this and I, Ooh, I want the rest coach. I want one. Yes. Well, this is what she said. Rest is a revenue generating activity. 100%. I love that. hundred percent, especially for LeBron James. I don't know how much he's making per game, but we're talking about probably six figures for every game. Right. So he has outlasted expectation by over 10,000 minutes. So we're talking about hundreds of games. So now we're talking about tens of millions of dollars extra because he rests properly. Mm. I don't know what the coach charges, but the ROI is probably in tens of thousands of percent. Or if not a- more. Absolutely. Super easy. You know, you have, and I'm looking at you outside on my other screen. You have the 60-day law firm turnaround program. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. I'm, that's my favorite program. That's my one-on-one uh, VIP coaching that I do with law firms. And that's where we break down your people, your process, your production, and your profitability. If the law firm owner shows up coachable, number one, and they have to be coachable. They have to be willing to let go and trust me and their team and they're willing to bring their team into the process, I can get them the results of at least 33% increase on the bottom line within 66 days. Why 66 days? You know, for so long, there was back in the early 2000s, it takes 90 days to create a habit. You know, now the number that I'm seeing out there is 66 days, and it's probably even changed since then because of all the coaching and the ability and the access to apps and everything else out there to service safety nets as you navigate your day. So people show up coachable. I can turn around and I purposely use that word, not transform, not change. Attorneys don't like the word change. Team members don't like the word change. So I always talk about, you know, the greatest thing I ever learned from Tony Robbins is about the two millimeter shift. And it's not about transformation. If you pull up social media, everybody's selling transformation. Well, not everybody needs transformation. They really just need the pivots. They need the two millimeter shifts. They need to understand what's not working because change and transformation sounds heavy and hard. Right on. Right on. <laughs> so loving this. So an investment into working with you for a couple of months can produce an increase in bottom line. For those of you who don't know, bottom line means pre-tax profit. Pre-tax <laughs> operating profit. Let's be like very specific about it. You make a million dollars a year in gross revenue. That's your top line. You should be, if you're doing okay, you should be doing about 20% or $200,000 in yep. pre-tax operating profit. An increase of 33% is approximately, approximately $67,000. Yep. You like that fast? Yes, absolutely. Because we're reverse engineering it. We're not talking about the attorneys first. We're talking, we start with people intention, <laughs> every person on the firm. So let's just take $67,000 divided by three. Oh, it's actually a little short. It's 22334. You know, in my experience, the least that I've ever accomplished within 30 days is 25,000. And depending on the area of law, if you're doing PI or what have you in the life cycle of the file, 
and the conversion that's happening in the conference room, what have you. But absolutely, I mean, who wouldn't want an additional $25,000 without upping your marketing, without spending another penny? The investment is your time. You have to show up in the meeting room with me. You have to do your homework afterwards. But by and large, there's very little homework for the attorney. I'm empowering between the between the meetings and the homework, how much time would they need to invest into this? It depends on where they're at with their data and information, but okay. large, you know, and depending what standards they have in their practice. So it's a weekly stakeholders meeting. I call it a weekly team meeting that they're following my agenda that is managed and led and facilitated, not by the attorney, by the team leader, whoever that might be. They have to do it. So that's one hour a week. Then uh, they have to commit for 66 days to do a daily huddle and treat it like a locker room in a meeting before you go on that Super Bowl playing field 30 minutes a day. Again, not managed, led, and facilitated by the attorney. The attorney just needs to show up. So uh, off the bat, it's an hour a week, ideally every Monday or Friday, and then 30 minutes a day in between when they're working within there. And then my greatest goal is by the end of the 66 days, they're making a commitment to at least taking, um, working four and a half days a week. So they're making where they're out, they're out. If they reach goal, they get out of the office and take half day Friday off forever. And really. So one hour per week on coaching, one hour per week for huddles, because 30 minutes times two days, because they don't have to be there five days a week. Did they get that right? Yes. Yes. They're doing it in the one hour a week on Mondays for their stakeholders meeting. So three hours per week and 66 days. Are we talking about business days or are we talking about calendar days? We're talking about uh, calendar days. Got it. So that's a little over, let's call it nine weeks. So in nine weeks times three hours, 27 hours, we're going to round it up to 30 hours. So if the ROI is Near instant $25,000. I'm going to bump it up to 30 grand for 30 hours. How many attorneys do we know who bill and collect a $1,000 per hour? I don't. Well, the attorney alone, if you're just taking that one human being, but at the end, every hour. So it's funny that you said that because when I run the math, we are, we do have an ROI of every hour, but it's not just for the attorney. You know, the, 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 at the front of the house is, usually collecting more than the attorney yeah. in it. Yeah. And also, the, I think even a better way to look at it, whenever you improve your systems, you can't look at the ROI within just a one-year time frame. You're going to be using and improving the, those improved systems for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. So you have to look at the ROI in the long-term perspective. So if it's $60,000 year one, it may double the ROI year two, may triple the ROI year three. So this is what's millions in a 10-year time horizon. Well, yes, I love that. But that's one funnel if you're going to look at your books. The other funnel that people do not take into consideration is that you actually have people who are invested. They are entrepreneurs in the entrepreneur's world because now we have to look at your retention and turnover rate of people leaving and having to hire and fire and retrain and what have you. The cost of that, as we all know, in this employee-driven market is, so that's a bit, that's the, 
I think the challenge I see a lot with law firms are only looking at their P&Ls. They're only looking at their bottom line. That's one funnel. But for me, you have to look at your people first and foremost. So you're no longer having turnover. You have you have people who are excited. They have clear, concise, well-communicated goals. They're gamifying every hour, every dollar of their day. Every employee within your team members, even if they're overseas in the Philippines, even if they're virtual and working remote or what have you, that now let's look at your process. When we really break down your process, the efficiencies, the effectiveness, you talk about doing these daily huddles and these weekly team members or team meetings. When we eliminate communication ping pong, when people are batching everything for the agenda, the average employee is saving 2.5 hours a day in email communication and chasing information and going back and forth for a fight for clarity. So then there's that ROI as well. And then let's start talking about production and the life cycle of a matter. I mean, so I think my greatest wish in the world is to get business owners, entrepreneurs, attorneys in particular, to really look at their business as a whole and stop just looking at the bottom line. You know, the bottom line is absolutely impacted, but what's your definition of bottom line? You should have a bottom line for each person, each department, each role, each process, each production within your calendar, not just your QuickBooks. Oh, oh, fascinating. And here's how I think about this. By making more money, you're developing the freedom of money. By having better systems, you're buying back your time. So you get the freedom of time. By having better systems, you're also lowering your stress level. Stress impacts our health very directly. Yeah, a number of serious illnesses that are linked to elevated stress level. There's one thing that we know that's truly attributable to the profession of law, and it's usually high stress level, especially if you own and operate your own law firm. So if you have better systems, you're going to increase your freedom of money, freedom of time, and freedom of health. Yeah. There are weak freedoms. Well, yeah, and, you know, I love that you keep, using this term stress too, because it's really fascinating because stress is such an illusion. So often stress is often self-created, you know, especially in the legal space. Attorneys will always say, we're so busy, we're so busy. And the first thing I teach, I'm like, we are never, you have to eradicate the word busy from your business immediately. We are not allowed to use that term anymore. It's an, it's a conscious choice for not getting control and not being methodical. And when you, the day you are no longer busy, you're out of business. So the, I love that you use stress because so often we're reaching gold, people are happy, processes are rocking and rolling, production, profitability is looking great. I'm not, I'm working, you know, maybe 30 hours versus 80 hours, what have you, but the attorney still shows up. I'm like, talk to me, what's going on? And I'm like, why do you look so stressed out? And they, it's a habit. It's a really hard habit to break. So there's the mindset piece of it too, because you have all the money in the bank. You have all your wishes happening. You're, you're finally feel like you've arrived. You have a, you're a true entrepreneur. You're running your business. You understand your numbers. You're looking at them. You're no longer avoiding them. 
but they're still showing up stress. It's a habit. So it's also the mindset and really working on that of, you know, having, letting go of the mindset that the other shoe's going to drop, letting go of the mindset that we can't trust this, that this is a fluke. It's great that it's working now, Molly, but, you know, it's to your point, this, the residual of this is extraordinary only if the attorney and everybody on the team, including the bookkeeper and anyone else that you're using as your counsel, is willing to really create a shift in their mindset, their habits, their behavior, and shift from a place of lack to one of abundance and really expect continual miracles. It's not until then because you they're still living in this place of wonder and worry, which is a habit that we have to dismantle. Molly Business is business stream and the shrink all in one. That's awesome. So take it on. I still want to continue this conversation, but unfortunately, we are out of time. So here's the plan. I'm ordering this book as soon as we wrap up. I'm going to read the book, and then we're going to have to do this again because I'm going to have a bunch of questions after I read your book. Oh, thank you. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. This was like one of the most fascinating conversations I've had on this podcast. Probably, forgive me for everybody who came before you, the most fascinating one. Thanks, Molly. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Grow Law Firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at growlawfirm.com slash blueprint.